Hey, Bestie. Hey, Bestie. Did you know that sometimes boys like other boys? I'm, I'm completely unfamiliar with this concept. Yeah, uh, sometimes twinks kiss other twinks, and it's called yaoi. Um, so when I kiss twinks, is that yaoi? Yes, because you're a faggot. And a twink. That's true, that's true. I, I, I was a twink for a long time, and I embraced that part of my identity. I was a twink for a long time, and I deeply suppressed that part of my identity. Like, I will very actively enjoy referring to myself as, like, a femboy and shit, but the second somebody tries calling me a twink, even, like, girl twink, I don't even like girl twink, I'm like... I will, I, will, I will fucking fight you. I will lose, but I will still fight you. You punched me over this once. I did! I did punch you! Yeah, you did. You completely punched me over this once. Yeah, I hate being called a twink. It was a lesson learned. Yeah. See, now, now you know that the fact that you've made this information known, people might use it against you. I'll punch them! <laughs> I'll do it! <laughs> Lucy can confirm. I will get violent about this. It it wasn't that hard of a punch, but it like, you know, it was it was it was it it, it didn't not hurt. I've made my feelings clear with violence. Violence is such a good way to communicate sometimes. I agree. I think we need to normalize many different forms of nonverbal communication, one of them being physical violence. To, to be extent, clear, to it was consensual physical violence. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Also a big fan. Are we doing this every episode now? Uh, yeah. Fuck yeah! Yeah, this is a this is this isn't like a pet play podcast in that it's a podcast about pet play. It's a pet play play podcast in that we're pets. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Created by pets for pets. And we're Radio Free Youth. So Sylvie. Mm-hmm. They did neuroimaging on a Fujoshi. They did neuroscience on a Fujoshi? Yeah, there's this study from NYU. <laughs> Are you kidding me? Um, among other, uh, it's the Henan University in Kaifeng, um, U Pennsylvania, NYU. Oh my god! <gasps> so NYU. Do you think maybe they got some of the like study participants from NYU? No, so I actually have read the study. Okay. Um, the Neurological Imprints of Boys Love Culture, Shaping Sexual Orientation Identity in the Digital Age's Young Females. 
So I have read the study, and it was conducted largely, it seems, this was in Henan University um, of Kaifeng, China. Mm-hmm. And all of the respondents, so all the subjects of the study, were female students at Henan University. So mm-hmm. it was just um, Chinese university students who they did study. But I believe, let me just go down to the methodology discussion. See, this is part of the problem. We're going we're gonna to get into a lot of this method. Here we go. 151 okay, people. So, so 80 boys love fans, 71 uh, people who feel very neutral about boys love. Yes, non-fans. And 40 um, under female undergraduates. Mm-hmm. So these are a total of 191 um, subjects. And there's all of this. 139 participants were had their brains scanned, and they were compensated. I don't know how much that translates to in 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 dollars. But I am not a neuroscientist, so I can't talk about the brain scanning part of this, which is what they did a lot of. But I do have extensive training in public health social science. So I thought it would be really worthwhile to go into this. So this study only came out like a week ago. Um, And I want to talk about it, but first, what do you know about boys love culture? Because I know nothing. So I wouldn't call myself an expert on loving boys. I am an expert on loving boys. <laughs> um, but by my understanding, what they're talking about in this study, um, when they're studying average boys love enjoyer, is less like people who are like voracious, uh, super explicit yaoi consumers, and people who are more into like uh, this huge huge genre of manga and anime but especially manga um that is focused on like uh these you know really like cutesy male male relationships um and from my understanding we see a lot of like classic uh like you know online romance tropes so you know you have your like enemies to lovers and such mm-hmm. um and i i don't know necessarily like how formulaic it is just by the sheer volume of boys love content there is out there i know it, it has to be somewhat um but it takes all different forms there's like fantasy stuff there's oh the historical boys love big very big um this is like, you know, the manga equivalent of, like, the fucking Song of Achilles pra- uh, craze. Oh, my God. Oh, yeah. <sighs> Song of Achilles is boys' love for a Western audience. I will die on this hill. When did Song of Achilles come out? Because I remember it was 
huge when I was an undergrad. Oh my god. The Tumblr girls were going insane about those boys. Oh, it was 2011, but it was huge, huge in... Yeah, that was perfect timing. No, Cersei was the one that was everyone was... But every... I thought Song of Achilles was, like, the, the yaoi one. Yeah, so Cersei is... So Song of Achilles is the yaoi one. Because, like, Achilles' great weakness was just twinks. So true. I mean, can you blame him? No. But wasn't Achilles also kind of a twink? I think he was more of like a otter. Really? Well, he was Greek, so 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 the Greeks like kept themselves shaved. Yeah. So I think that like that might be, but like he was a strong, like he was a, he was Patroclus's top. Okay. Patroclus was a bottom, unlike in the later re- later. Because, like, Alexander the Great was the bottom in his relationship. And that's why he had to keep it hidden. Because it wasn't shameful to be gay. But it was shameful to be a bottom. Not much has changed. It's, I would say, honestly, you should be ostracized from society. For for being a publicly known bottom? Yeah. See, I am a, a well-known, publicly known bottom, and I am ostracized from society for it. You are, and I, th- I love it how it's like... It's really rough being a bottom out here. It's so We get hard. no love. Tell that to my grinder notifications. <laughs> <laughs> um, shout out to the, like, four or five boys on Grinder who I am simping over. They are all... You found a... Four boys on Grinder to simp over. Uh, four. That's that's trans mask tops. That's still a genuinely impressive number for attractive dudes on Grinder. I I don't know. They're all trans boys, and they 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 have tattoos and face piercings and mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and. But are they really tops? All of them? Not all of them. Some of them reverse, but like one of them is like in mm, their diet. One of them is, like, in their bio, like, I am looking for trans girls to top. Like, I want to strap these trans girls. Damn. Community fucking service right there. Uh, bravely. Shout out. And I, when I was posting earlier on my meme account, someone commented on my to-do list meme that I made. And they're like, I am a trans mask at no top. And I was like, that's that right there. Mm-hmm. So you're going for it, right? Oh, I mean, they live in some kind of New York. Still, long distance hypnotop. I could never, I could never, I could never. I could never. So, we were talking about... Boys love. Boys mm. love. Neuroimaging. So let me read from this, from this study. <clears throat> I'm going to do academic voice. In the vast digital expanse of the 21st century... Media has evolved beyond a passive consumable, emerging as a dominant force that molds the cognitive, emotional, and neurological pathways of its audience. Amidst this transformation, Boy's Love, or BL culture, originating from Japan, stands out, illustrating the profound impact that media can wield. This niche genre, which presents romantic liaisons between male protagonists, has remarkably enamored a global female audience, particularly young females. But this is just more than a cultural quirk. The proliferation and nuances of BL culture compel us to reevaluate and deepen our understanding of media's pervasive influence on societal perceptions. Okay, so first of all, 
The sentence, this niche genre which presents romantic liaisons between male protagonists has remarkably enamored a global female audience, particularly young females. That sentence is bad. <laughs> that is a bad sentence. Don't include that in your fucking study. Like, I get it, most academics are terrible writers. I mean, this is also probably translated from, like, Cantonese or Mandarin or whatever. Um... Well, the problem is, so while the primary study was conducted at Henan University, it was published here in the States, hmm. which means the peer review was pro like, this English language was probably peer reviewed. Okay, yeah, there's no excuse for that. That's, that's terribly written. Yeah, so... I also, like, more than the, like, clunky sentence structure... They're basically just admitting that this is, like, a gay panic response. Like, oh my god, the, the young females are, are looking at homosexual content. You... Think of the children. You Think have, of their, their malleable minds. You hit the nail right on the head and we are one paragraph in. <laughs> it's blatantly obvious. It's... I mean, they're like... We can't believe so many young women want to watch boys kiss. What? How could this be? We something must be done. The 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 twinks are corrupting our young women. I mean, this has been true throughout history, but not because of boys love manga. Twinks are just like that. Yeah. There's been, like, a genre of videos appearing on my feeds of, like, twinks not being able to do basic shit. Like, there was one where he's like, I'm drinking baba tea. And he's like, there's pearls. He's like, they're supposed to dissolve. And he just sips. And he, like, gags and, like, spews boba tea everywhere. And it's just like... <laughs> that... I was like, it would be a mercy. That has to be stayed. Well, I mean, his reaction was pretty genuine. Because he was like, my car... Anyways, getting rid of twinks would be a mercy. Um, I also love the thing. They, 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 they want that. Yeah. All twinks are masochists. Oh, God. I mean... <laughs> yeah. Anyways. You know who's spreading all of that, like, kill twink with rock content? Twinks. Twinks. They want to be hit with rocks. <laughs> Do your local twink a favor and, and stone him. Tie him to a tree and publicly stone him. He'll cream his fucking jeans. I can't endorse that. I can't endorse that. But you know they want it. I mean, I want... Anyways. <laughs> the sentence is great. <laughs> Conjure a world where sexual orientations, boundaries, traditionally delineated by biology, societal expectations, and personal experiences could be, could be subtly influenced by the media we voraciously consume. Did so, you know that media can impact the way you think? Also, I love... Are you sure this is peer-reviewed? <laughs> well, I mean, it's, it's, this is fluff. This is fluff. But it, it gives us something very important, which is sex, the boundaries of sexual orientation that the study is going in with, the paradigm they're starting with, is that biology, societal expectations, and personal experiences are the, the traditional boundaries of sexual orientation and sexuality. So the first, I mean, if we think about biology, societal expectations, and personal experiences, 
what, what they are actually saying, right? And the, the, the one step beyond in like the epistemological sense mm-hmm. is that they're actually putting societal expectations at the top, but saying it's biology. How do you know that? Because I am applying critical thinking. So because no piece of academic research is created in a vacuum, the phrase so sexual orientations boundaries are traditionally bounded or sorry are traditionally delineated by biology societal expectations and personal experiences that phrase comes from somewhere there's an ideology behind it there's a set of beliefs and assumptions made by the writer so we know in saying that they believe it to be true it's, it's you know, there's no citation right mm-hmm. this is just a universally accepted fact yes this is you know, they're presenting it as fact, but we, you know, as, as an academic, can understand this as paradigm. They believe that there is a, some kind of biological basis to sexuality that is filtered through societal expectations and kind of tempered by one's experiences. You know, like, maybe you're into more masculine men, maybe you're into more feminine men, whatever, you know. But it's very much concerned with the sexuality of young women, which is probably problematic. Then there's this fun bullshit. Mm-hmm. Which is just... I don't even... Oh, dear. Oh, oh, dear. Yeah, let's just... I'm not even gonna read it, because it's also... It's so clunkily written. But it's like... Sexual orientation is imprinted on us when we're fetuses. Influenced by a tapestry of genetics, prenatal hormones, and unique maternal immunization processes. The vaccines vaccines will... (laughs) The vaccines will turn your children into Fujoshis. One moment. Let me actually check that reference. I wonder if it is talking about, when it says immunizations, if it's talking about... Um... Okay, I'm not going to fucking read yeah, the whole other no, additional. Um, but here's, here's, their, here's their thesis, right? Their, their justification, which is that such revelations underscore the necessity of assessing the potential ramifications of globally accessible boys' love narratives on the burgeoning minds of adolescents and young females. We're talking about the obliteration of geographical confines and the fact that we're, I mean, like, I can, I can read gay porn whenever I want. I, I find the idea that boys love culture represents a quote-unquote global media consumption revolution. Just more evidence that this is, like, pure bullshit fear-mongering. Like, I, I don't think that young women wanting to see twinks kiss is a is a global media revolution i don't even think this is new to be honest but like this is like boys love is not fundamentally changing the way that anybody consumes media it's, oh, it's just not I, I love that you missed the second half of the sentence potentially altering the societal foundations We've taken for granted. Boys love is destroying the nuclear family. <laughs> society will crumble. <laughs> Fujoshis are a threat to Western society. And thank God they are. Keep at it, you lovely Fujos. There's more. 
our study was a foray into this uncharted territory. This ter- uncharted territory of researching gay porn. Oh. Shall we get into the methodology? Yeah, so I am, again, I'm not, I have no experience in neuroscience. So I'm not gonna fucking, I can't fucking look at these. This is bullshit to me. That's a lot of numbers and exponential numbers and letters. Yeah, Yeah, and they have, okay, they have really high p-values. What is that? So p-value is like, the short version is like, you know when it's like a study's like the margin of error? Oh yeah. I thought that was is that R or is that P is it P? It's it can be represented in a, in a couple of ways depending on the study, but m- most traditional social sciences will represent it with a p value. And so you've got a p value of 5%, which means you're 95% confident basically. Uh-huh. That your results of your study fall within that range. Is that 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 sounds good. Yeah, but to have p-values this high, like, and you've got p-values of, like, 1%, which is fucking unheard of. Like, no one has, no one's going to reach an accuracy of a p-value of 1% with a study of, what did we say, like, 191 people? So basically, they feel very confident that they have solved BL. Like, they've, they've nailed boys love. They are, yeah, like, look. That is 99.9% confidence right there. Whoa. All right. I don't believe that. I don't believe that either. You Getting to 99.9% confidence in anything, like, if you gave me a survey of, like, 50,000 people, I would believe that. Yeah, this is uh, less than 200... Uh, young women all confined to a similar geographical region. Similar age group. Similar age group. Like. No, it's. That's, you know, it's, it's, it's a study, but it's not, I don't, like, they're, they're advertising themselves as, like, the end-all be-all of boys' love studies. Um, which like you just have to look at the the methodology to see that that's complete fucking bullshit. I don't know how to read this. This is like again, this is beyond my beyond my scope, but an attitudinal shift in societal implications is right up my alley. Yeah, they keep using this phrase um boys love media cocoon uh which is I I think they're trying to imply that like Fujoshis exist in an echo chamber. It's like they're 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 normalizing their their obsession with with boys' love, and and they're they're surrounding themselves with other boy lovers. This paragraph here fucking sends me. <laughs> However, it's also worth noting that BL narratives are fictional and often idealized. The risk lies in young females developing a romanticized or skewed perception of real-world homosexual relationships and even denying one's own female identity based on these idealized depictions. While the destigmatization of homosexual relationships is undoubtedly a positive outcome, it's essential to differentiate between representation and reality. So... Again, the assumption that they're making is that 
you know, like, it's good that there's gay representation, but the gay representation needs to reflect reality, which denies the variety of gay relationships. Also, hello, double standard. Have you ever read heterosexual teen oh, romance God. fiction? yeah. That shit takes place in, like, ten different... I mean, it literally takes place in a bunch of different alternate universes most of the time. But, like, the relationships dynamic themselves are pure fucking fabrication. Yeah, it's... You it's, ever read a John Green novel? Oh fucking nobody talks like that. And that's okay. Looking for Alaska is okay, but it's all downhill from there. Because it, it's I the one where people, so it, it's the one where they smoke cigarettes and fuck. So true. Y'all ever read fucking Paper Towns? Not a single one of those characters are recognizable real human beings. And that's okay. That's okay. I'm not here to, to provide literary criticism on John Green. What I'm more saying is that <gasps> media does not need to depict reality as it is. And this insistence that, well, well, the, the, the boys love manga needs to depict real world, accurate homosexual relationships is such fucking bullshit. Not to mention the transphobia. Not to mention the deep transphobia. The, the, the ending recommendation is that this content should be regulated. And I think it's really important to understand that this doesn't, this study doesn't exist in a vacuum. Um, this is a, in seeing this, it, it really echoes to me a lot of like, don't say gay, you know, discourses that we're having in, you know, North America. Um, what's the name of that book? That really transphobic book about like all the young women are turning into trans men. It has like the... Da damaged oh oh irreverse is like irre irreversible damage which is such a fucking title yeah so yes here it is okay uh this so reminds me of the type of discourse around this book irreversible damage uh literally the the, the tagline of the book is the transgender craze seducing our daughters. Hey, daughters, hit me up. Strag <laughs> it. Don't falsely advertise. Um, Is that fucking Diary of a Wimpy Kid? Yeah, for some reason, Diary of a Wimpy Kid shows up when you search irreversible damage, which is... Equal academic merit. I... Uh, greater academic merit, let's be honest here. Uh, yeah, this is, this is the exact same kind of bullshit. It's like... We have to we have to protect those those young female minds. They're so impressionable, and and we 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 don't want them turning, thinking they're they're men. Start start taking hormones at age five, getting the surgery at age ten. Can you believe this? It this I mean this is it, yeah the transphobic bullshit is so obvious. But, like, thinking about how their solution to this is to be, like, we need to encourage critical reading while also denying access to the content. And this isn't even talking about denying, like, young people access to explicit content, which is a whole other can of worms. The content that they're talking about is, is not inherently explicit. They're mm -hmm. talking about 
anything depicting homosexual relationships as too explicit to be shown to young children. This is, like, very much the same kind of don't say gay shit. Like, any degree of exposure to any kind of homosexuality or just, you know, deviant sexuality um, is, is inherently too explicit for young people and should not be accessible. Which is fucking bullshit. That's not how sexuality develops. Yeah, I'm trying to find how they define boys' love culture. Now. This is, again, brain scans. Oh my god, this, like, AI imaging of uh, <laughs> the, like, selected boys' love versus heterosexual images. These are just the same picture. It's just the same picture. Um... Reference four was where they were getting a lot of it from. Boys love as girls love in shoujo manga. Wait, that's not... Shoujo I mean, manga is not boys love manga. Like, yes, there are a lot of um, overlaps between shoujo manga and boys love manga. Like, particularly in the way that, like, men are drawn in shoujo manga are basically usually indistinguishable from the kinds of twinks you see as the romantic leads in uh, Boys Love. They're not even talking about explicit material, basically. No, they're not. They're talking about depictions of... You know, this is... You know, effectively we can see this as, like, roughly analogous to a lot of, you know, gay graphic novels targeted for young adults here in the U.S. Mm Mm-hmm. Like, obviously, you have you have books like Gender Queer, which do have explicit scenes, right? And I'm not going to get into that, right? But, you know, you have... These, these are romances. These are not... You know, these are not... You know, in, in the U.S., we would say romance books usually have a degree of sex scene. But, like, th- these books that they're talking about, the content is, is not stimulating... Is not intended to titillate. Here we go. Image selection. Where Matt's there, there is an arousal valence. But we can see from the images provided that uh, what's being used in their examinations are not sexually explicit images. Yeah, I would love to actually look at the images. A lot of people involved in this. There's this rebuttal by Sean M. Freyne, Freyne, that I found. It is, um... It's longer than the original study. It is substantially longer than the original study. They are an actual, like, neurologist and have, like, they can comment on that. Um, they have a little bit more data science and, like, able to apply, like, statistical analyses, which... Are they refuting that, like, bullshit margin of error? Probably. Um, And then, like, actual behavioral analysis. Like, definitely go read this um, if you want a deeper dive. Um, This is a podcast. So we're we're just making fun of it. Go actually read the challenge.
it's my fault. I I'm I killed technology. I'm I'm a Charlie Brown. Um, everything I touch turns to shit. I'm like fucking King Midas in reverse over here. Everything I touch turns to shit. No one's gonna notice that that we're. Welcome back, Trader, for use. I want to look at, um, Yowie. Is this Yowie or is this just boys' love? Okay, so this manga, I'm gonna call it Yowie because, um, as I sure can't wait to see. Um, it does contain some explicit scenes. Mm -hmm. Um, and I think while boys love isn't inherently not explicit, I think it falls more, this one falls more into the yaoi category. Mm -hmm. Okay. Okay. So what's it called again? Ito Nagakun no Koi no Ito? Is that pronunciation good? I don't speak Japanese. Not that kind of weeb. No, me neither. So, it is a, translated by Yazuf. Thanks, Yazuf. Thanks, Yazuf. We got boys. I I really think that all um, boys love ships really come down to which one is the blushy twink and which one is the dark haired suave twink. I mean, that's that's really how a lot of this comes down to. Then... He's such a cute little gay flannel, too. Are... Okay. Are flannels for bottoms? Let's discuss. Yes. I, I agree. Because I'm a bottom who wears a lot of flannels. I don't wear that many flannels. But I think flannels are for bottoms. Yeah. I feel like historically, flannels are more associated with tops. And just, like, mask-presenting tops, mm -hmm. specifically. Mm-hmm. But I, I don't know, maybe it's, maybe it's just the, the, the yaoification of lesbians, but um, I, I think flannels are for bottoms. I think it's because the, the big sleeves. Oh, that's very true. I think big sleeves. Big sleeves are bottom culture. Yeah. This is true. So you can do a little pause with them. I love doing a little pause. I love like wearing my girlfriend's hoodie with its big oversized sleeves and just like waving my paws around. It's such a good stim. You're such a good stim. Yes. <laughs> you got me pegged. Yeah. Hey. Okay, I want to see more bullying content. Ooh. Oh, publicly humiliated. Yeah, so our, our romantic leads are uh, blonde, blushy, flannel bottom. I think, uh, I think it's brown hair. Oh, it's brown hair? Okay, I can't really tell because it's black and white. Yeah. Uh, light hair and uh, uh, dark-haired uh, mask bully. Yeah, I mean, I think mask is a loose term here because honestly, like, you know that, that tweet that's like, this is like the most masculine dyke Twitter can handle before they, they lose their minds? <laughs> I think like um, open face button-down shirt uh, with a t-shirt is like the most masculine yaoi can handle before it, before they get scared, before the Fujoshis get scared. Um, it's all about little fat bottom twings. Um, he's bullying, more bullying. Oh yeah, getting, getting, uh, water dunked on him. More bullying. Yeah, that's hot. Oh wow, he's skipping class to avoid the hot bully. Oh, 
falls right into his chest. That's great. That's, that's awesome. Oh, he's, it, 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 we're having like an enemies to lovers. Yeah. The bully has, has changed his ways and now he wants to help out this poor pathetic little bottom. And he's like, he's just like being nice. What kind of photos? Boring. What kind of photos do you take? Oh, he's oh. taking pictures of lattes. He is a fucking bottom. Hey, I take photos of lattes. And? Your point? Are you calling me a bottom? Yes, I will always call you a bottom. And if you say you're a switch, that just makes you more of a bottom. I'm verse. Yep, yep. You're, yeah, you're an even bigger bottom than I am. That's, I don't think that's actually true in real life. Uh, I don't know. You, you definitely give me a run for my money. I can and have topped. Doesn't mean you should. <laughs> He's, he's, oh, oh. <gasps> he's, he's stealing his ice cream just to feed it back to him. <gasps> Look at those blush lines. Oh my God. Oh, oh. this is, this is. <gasps> he grabs <gasps> his fucking face. Okay. Easiest way to turn my brain off. Like I, I am arming our listeners with too much knowledge about myself, but oh like a chin grab. <gasps> Oh, I'm, I'm, my brain is melted. My brain is completely melted. Oh, oh, this is so cute and he's like, wholesome. He's like questioning whether or not his bully remembers bullying him. He definitely does. I mean, like, yeah, but it's like growing up. Uh, ah, uh, he's constantly tripping over himself. Okay. Being clumsy. Another bottom trait. Are you denying this? I'm not denying this. I'm just thinking about how fucking clumsy I am. <laughs> <laughs> Me too, bestie. Hey, you know, being being clumsy is great because then people want to help you. Oh, oh, oh. Ooh. A declaration of friendship. Oh! oh! That's not friendship! That's not friendship at all. It's just straight to romance. Straight oh. to romance. <gasps> straight from having this, this little twink tumble into your arms to... Go out with me. But I, okay, so there's something very sexy about go out with me. It's not a question. It's not a question. It's a command. He can't, he, he. Oh, wait, wait, <gasps> actually, scroll up, scroll up, scroll up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Being into guys, do you think, like, it's actually like, so his bully is like coming out to him, actually. He's not just coming on to him, he's like, I'm gay and find you attractive. Mm hmm. I mean, what a, what a fucking turn. I know, he's like short circuiting this little bottom's mind. I knew, he says, I knew you would say no. No, he, no, he doesn't say no. He says, he's like, you're not disgusting. Because it makes me scroll back up. Oh, that's true. He's responding to saying I'm... He's like, <gasps> he's like no, being Because gay. he is gay. Oh, and they share a cute little hug. Oh. He says he's never been embraced by someone like this before. Oh my God. See, I'm not even a Fujoshi and I'm getting super into this. There's just... It's really well written. There's there's an ephemeral quality to boys' love that just makes it so universally attractive. Mm, mm -hmm. There's just something so simultaneously deviant yet wholesome about BL content that just just has a vice grip on women everywhere. So by the end of chapter one, 
Oh, the thumping heartbeats. <gasps> oh, we got a kiss. We got a kiss. Let's fucking go. Boys kiss. I got too into the boys love and knocked over the mic. <laughs> <laughs> See, this is what happens. This is this is what boys love does to your brain. Yeah. This is your brain on boys love. <laughs> oh. oh. Sorry, I've never kissed someone before. I, I don't know how to do it. Oh, he's he's dripping. He's dripping from his eyes. Mm, just from his face, I'm sure. I, I don't know what you're, what you're talking about, what you're implying there. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Ooh. Ooh. I, didn't, I thought I could become his friend. I didn't wish for anything more than that. It feels like a dream. Oh, look at those blushy oh. little boys. Oh. He's got a crush on him. Okay, okay, we have to go to the next chapter. We have to. This is I this is I can't I can't put it down. I want to get to the gay sex. Where's the gay sex? The thing is, I want to get to the gay sex, but I'm also so invested in the romance. Mhm. Mm mm -hmm. And I think that's part of the 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 beauty of Yaoi. Yeah. Is it's it can be pornographic, but there's there's always a like a substantial or not even necessarily substantial, but there's always some degree of plot to it. I think something that's super important is that Sonata, the, the, the love interest effectively for, for our main character, is nice to him. And I think that's something that um, is, I don't want to say underappreciated, but it's like an element that's like, you want your, 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 your men to be nice. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I certainly Well. Want, I well. I want them to be nice to me until the doors close. That's very fair. That's very fair. I don't think, like, an outwardly, like, aggressive asshole is that many people's type. That many. I'm not, I'm not gonna make any, you know, universalisms here. But I actually, I want to talk about something that gets thrown out as a universal truth about female sexuality. Which is like, you know, this is something that you hear a lot, and I'm sure you've had your fair share of, um, literature uh about this but like this idea that like women want narrative in their pornographic content mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. i find is somewhat true but i think when it gets applied as such a like universal truth um as like yeah men just want to go straight to the you know explicit visual graphic stuff where women want a nice story it feels a little bit like, I'm not going to say bio-essentialist, but like gender-essentialist. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And kind of demeaning. It's like, women don't want real sexuality. They want sexuality light. Which it's, is not true. And it's also demeaning towards men. Yeah, it is also very demeaning towards men. I think that there is elements of truth in that statement, but I, I don't think it should be this kind of like universally applied truth as it, as it is so often described um because like i don't know of conversations i've had with women cis and trans about their sexuality is it's like like the explicit stuff matters too you know yeah it's, it's not all just like we want to see the blushy yaoi boys we definitely want to see the blushy yaoi boys but we also want to see the gay sex and i think a lot of yaoi balance balances that very nicely which is why it's so popular. This panel right here does it for me. Yeah, he, the our our blushy protagonist thinking to himself, 
gotten pretty used to kissing. I like it a lot, I think. That was me once I discovered that you could kiss boys. Like, actually, genuinely. Because I had, okay, I had this girlfriend, freshman year of college. We were dating for about six weeks. Mm-hmm. Um, part of the reason I was, like, breaking up with her was I was like, I am just don't think I'm into you. You you were you were a little faggy with it. Basically, it was like when we were like trying to like do this post mortem, and she's like, "Why wasn't this gonna work? Like, why wasn't this working?" And I was like, "I think I'm just not into women that much," and she took that very well. Um, but no, so it was like really a thing. It's like when I started, like you could kiss men. I had a few very unsatisfying uh, experiences, but then I was like, "Oh yeah." Once once you get to like. I'm only kissing men I'm attracted to. It's like, that's, that's good. Then it really unlocks. I want to I wanna draw your attention back to the yaoi for a moment because uh-huh. I relate so heavily to this protagonist. Like, so in this scene, they're out on a cute date and Sonata takes a picture of him. Um, and Sonata goes, I got a nice shot. And he goes, huh, let me see. And he sees that the picture is of himself, like, smiling and, like, having a good time. And he goes, but that's me! Uh, and then Sonata goes, it's because you're cute, Idanaga-kun. And he's like, what? That's, that's crazy! He literally... <laughs> the panel is just him saying the word blush. Um, like, I'm, I'm just gonna, like, read some of the ways that, like, Sonata describes him. Because it's, like so instantly endearing he's like your facial expressions change a lot so i never get bored i can just stare at you and wonder what you're thinking about and of course this little twink is melting because like who wouldn't that's so sweet i want someone to talk to me like that oh yeah no immediately like that's how i want to be talked to like Mm -hmm. in in a very real sense It's, it's 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 seeing reflected my own desire on the page (laughs) <laughs> oh my god, that's so fucking gay. No matter how many times we meet, I'll probably fall in love with him every time. Ah. Look, this is doing more for me in like a mushy, cute way than any of the stupid heterosexual romance I read as a teenager. For sh- like, like, I read mostly like queer romances as a teenager. Faggot. Yeah, I know. But I like, I mean, I read the, my fucking John Green novels and all that shit. As we, hey, we all served our time. Yeah. But like... Kissing. Oh, Ooh. they're kissing. Oh, they're getting into it. They are kissing, kissing. <laughs> oh. Nice. Um, but yeah, I think part of the appeal of, of boys love is because so much heterosexual romance in, in fictional in, in the fictional world, I'm not going to talk about the real world here, comes across as really forced because romance is so is so much just like a narrative structure mm-hmm. more than it is like a subject in a lot of literature, if you understand what I'm saying. Like romance is more how you structure relationships between characters and how the plot moves forward along, mm-hmm. you know, somewhat formulaic lines. Um, rather than about, like, what actually makes up the substance of this romance between these two characters. That's at least my memory of a lot of 
like, you know, like YA heterosexual romance. Um, and this goes so far beyond that, like in very little time is getting straight to the heart of like what makes the chemistry between these two characters work. It's very economical in its use. And like, I like this section here. Again, this is, this is great content for, for listeners. But we have Sonata, the love interest, being embarrassed at his own like attraction. Because being vulnerable can be embarrassing. He's like, um, he's like, oh, I live close to the station. He's like, oh, then shouldn't you go to college by bike? And then the Sonata is like, oh, you found me out. It's because I like taking the train to go home with you. That's fucking adorable. Seeing someone who, like, is into you be, like, mildly embarrassed about the lengths they will go to spend time with you is adorable. It's so cute. I, I love that shit. Let's see what we got. Oh. 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 Oh! oh! They're going straight to buying condoms. Let's fucking go. And he's fucking, oh my, okay. As you can't even look at him on the whole walk home. As a bottom, <laughs> doing the walk to someone's apartment when you know what's about to happen, can you actually look at the person? I mean... I can, but... Like, it, de- it depends on how much buildup there is. Yeah. Because if there's a lot of buildup and it's very clear what's about to happen, you know, you... You get a little giddy. Yeah. I like how there's also, like, no uh, discussion of, like, who's the top and who's the bottom here because it's so fucking blatantly obvious. Oh, yeah. And we got... He's watching the walk. And they're eating dinner together. They're looking at... They're doing homework together. And they're holding hands. This is my first time. I don't know much, so... He's <laughs> like, yeah, I'll do my best, leave it to me. Oh, let's fucking go. Oh, oh. shit! <gasps> He's embarrassed, so he gives him a blindfold. Damn. That's hot. Oh my god, this, this like, giant panel of, of him shirtless with the blindfold on being like, um, do you think I look weird? Damn. He's, he's, he just like me for real. Oh, 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 oh. His internal monologue of, because I can't see Sonata's reactions, I'm not scared, but it feels like I'm more sensitive. Being blindfolded does make you more sensitive. Blindfolds are awesome. Blindfolds are good. Oh, this is so good. Oh, now they're fucking. Yeah, they're going, they're going right into it. Oh, wow. The only things I know of are the sensations he gives me. That's this is, awesome. This is good stuff. Sensory deprivation rules. That's the prostate. <laughs> I, know, I, I know only the places he touches really do exist. It's the dedicated meow button. Literally look at this. Oh, uh, yeah, no, he's fully fingering him in the next panel. <laughs> yeah, that'll do it. Oh, yeah. It feels weird, but it doesn't feel bad. Oh, yeah, it's literally, literally... he's such a fucking goofball damn that pussy is dripping using a lot of lube hey you know good for him oh here we go oh they're 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 really going at it 
Oh, he's crying behind his blindfold, and he's oh, he's reaching out for him. Aww. That's so cute. And now he's remembering being bullied while he's inside him. Dream come true. Dream come true. It should be me. Damn. Damn. And now he's revealing that he was always in love with him, even when he was being bullied. I mean, surprise, surprise, but what's he apologizing for? Oh no. They're like awkward and cute. Aww. Aww. Damn, that's the end of the chapter. That was really cute. Yeah. I mean, most of the chapter is devoted to fucking, but it's really just cute. It's good fucking. It is good fucking, but it's not like too much. And like in the next chapter, they're still fucking. <laughs> yep, yep. What? It's just hot. It's, it's. Test because they're using dildos and that's like oh, nice. which dildo am I putting in you? Nice. Oh, that's good. That's good. <laughs> yeah. Um, big recommendations for Itanaga Kun no Koi no Ito. Yeah. Mating press. Goaded uh, goaded position mating so press. So true. Okay, I get they're kind of going for this insecurity arc mm -hmm. as we read, but you can't be like, oh, he's bullying me for liking guys when this person seduced and fucked you. Multiple times. Multiple times. This this person expressed an like, unrelatable main character. <laughs> Can no longer recommend. No, okay. this, is, yeah. this is still peak yaoi. It's still good, and I think bringing it back to to the this fucking article. It's like it's not changing how I think about the world, and I think that's kind of. It's like not changing anything, or my impressions of queer relationships, and I think that kind of boils down to something the study doesn't address. Some of the respondents, some of the subjects of this study, were queer. Did they mention that? Oh, no, no they didn't mention that. They didn't that. mention that. That's, that's right. What, that's what I'm saying is, is I'm not going to, as a queer person, be surprised by any kind of dynamic I read in, in, in romance. Straight, gay, whatever. Like, it's going to be kind of, like, the same. Like, like, once you have those kinds of relationships, all kinds of relationships, you know, whether that's, like, platonic, social, or, like, romantic, sexual, whatever, like... I don't know, like, but as a queer person, it's kind of, like, done. <laughs> like, it, <laughs> I don't want to say that, but it's it kind of is. It's like, you're not going to be surprised because the possibilities kind of borne out by queerness, like, yeah, you're going to see a lot of stuff because queer people are necessarily messy to an extent. And if they, you know, were to ask, you know, queer subjects about their opinions regarding the hour that they viewed, it, it's it's such a critical error on the part of the researchers to be like, we didn't figure out if any of these women were queer. Yeah, if that wasn't, like, uh, you know, in your, like, intake survey, then that's a, like, crucial piece of data. Yeah, it's like you see yourself represented in queer relationships if you're queer, even if you don't necessarily fit that kind of queer. 
And again, something that the, they're worried about in this study is that, oh, it might trans, it might trans our daughters, right? They might become sexy, sexy T-boys. Mm-hmm. Um, but like, so the, some of them already are. Yeah. Yeah. No, yeah. there is no like recognition of any kind of like, you know, closeted trans masculinity or anything. I mean, because of course, right? These guys, like, of course, won't even, like, use the word trans um, and are operating from this basis of, like, anyone who, uh, you know, any, like, AFAB person who is reading this uh, manga and, like, might have some, like, you know, transmasculine feelings is inherently just being confused by the media. And there's no, it's like, um, the relationship is always viewed as like, uh, the media is impacting the person, not like, maybe you're a, like, young, closeted, trans-masked person, and maybe you want to see, uh, something that has you feel represented, especially when you cannot express that, uh, wherever you're growing up. Yeah, and I think anything else to, 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 to that point is I think a lot of people in discourses we see in the United States and in North America regarding transness and representation for, for kids, and you know, these are college students that the study is about, but you know, most of these discourses are like our middle schoolers. Mm-hmm. It's like no one ever contends that there's a reverse causation because fundamentally, right, what the study doesn't get and what a lot of these people don't get is that people aren't stumbling into queer content because they are looking like like they just stumble into it and then become queer they're looking for it Mm -hmm. because they know these feelings inside them yes and it's not like i'm not gonna say this never happens but it's not so much a case of like the whole idea of like social contagion social contagion is fucking bullshit because like the much more typical queer, you know, like, young experience is that all of this exploration happens alone. This is not, like, because it is so risky to share those feelings with your, you know, like, even with your other friends when you're young. Like, the fear of rebuke and retribution is really intense, especially when you're, like, a teenager and everything is really fucking confusing and everyone is constantly you know backstabbing each other because being a teenager sucks balls tying this back to our previous episode we talked a little bit about how for a lot of trans women our first representation of ourselves comes from porn mm-hmm. um i know that was true for me same for me and and you know but i found a lot of being seen in in stories of gay romance like i i really dislike this book now for some personal reasons but the book will grace and will grace them oh by john green and david levithan getting back into the john green um there's a gay romance in that book and i read it over and over because i like and for the longest time i thought i was just like asexual basically mm, i think that's a much more common experience than a lot of people admit yeah i thought it was asexual because it's like i can't imagine myself 
having sex with a woman or having sex with a man, mm-hmm. right? In, in, in any kind of traditional way, because I couldn't imagine myself properly. I, that is a very trans experience is not being able to imagine like your future self or if you do it's so like uncomfortable that it doesn't feel like there's any point in doing it exactly i also think it's really interesting that most of the fear-mongering rhetoric around trans youth is specifically around young transmasculine people because while there are um, slight um, demographic discrepancies uh, in that there is, a, among young people, there are slightly more transmasculine people than there are transfeminine people, and we can get into why that is, um, but it's not like a ridiculously skewed number. Um, but I think the reason why so much of the fear-mongering is directed towards, you know, the transgender craze that's seducing our daughters is, uh, because of misogyny. And the emphasis on, like, we need to maintain the young women's purity. Uh, it's really fucking gross and weird, but I don't think that, like, um, the idea of, um, queerness affecting, like, young trans feminine people is such an effective fear-mongering tactic because, um, not only are they, like, not seen, I think, as much as a, of a, of a threat because, like, among young men, like, masculinity is already so heavily enforced, um, and in some ways, like, like, non-normative gender expression in some ways is more normalized for you know young women and people who be, end up becoming transmasculine but i really do think it is because the idea of like the young girl being seduced by these you know like creepy groomer powers um is a much more effective image than uh you know a young boy being turned into a girl yeah and i think that's for there's a couple reasons there too one i think there's an intense racialization to a lot of that and that's kind of baked into the way that a lot of our considerations around femininity are so rooted in 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 a narrative of white supremacy mm. and the idea of, like there's this cr- some there's this external corrupting force seducing our daughters mm-hmm. um you know, is, 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 is an important, important dynamic to understand that it's very centered on white womanhood mm-hmm. and, and, and womanhood as dictated through this language of white supremacy. But then on top of that, I think it's because ultimately at the end of the day, gay men aren't seen as men. They're seen as gender diverse in themselves. So any gender diversity or expression of gender non-normativity from people who go on to become trans women mm-hmm. is just seen as gay. Yeah, yeah. Actually, that uh, nicely leads into this other manga that I wanted to talk about, uh, Jane Osubete. Uh, I think I'm saying that correctly. Jane Osubete. So, this is... Uh, the the protagonist of this manga, Jay, uh, I think actually is a, is a great example of um, this kind of 
third gendering of, um, you know, what are seen as male expressions of queerness. Mm -hmm. So the protagonist is, um, he uh, is this young boy who um, starts doing drag performances from a very young age. Um, he cross-dresses very frequently, um, and then, um, after graduating from high school, starts, um, living as what some people might describe, like, uh, as a transvestite. And I know that that term gets a lot of hate, uh, these days, and I think rightfully so when it is incorrectly used. But I also think it's really worth considering the historical usages of the term transvestite. A lot of people who we think of as like historical pillars of the trans community did not identify with the term transgender or transsexual. They identified with the term transvestite. Um, and I think it should be okay to acknowledge that, uh, you know, gender variance uh from you know people who i i don't want to say like amabs because i don't like that term but um people who are often otherwise seen as men um is honestly a lot more tricky than just um you know are you a gay man or are you a trans woman i think that is actually quite a bit of a spectrum. And what one of the things that I really like about Shade Sabete is that um, it really acknowledges how much one's experiences can vary across the spectrum. Because Jay, at various times, lives as a woman, but also lives as a gay man, and also lives as um, a, you know, like, recognized cross-dresser. Um, and the other interesting thing about this manga is that it is, uh, it is a boy's love, it is also a shoujo manga, um, and it combines a lot of the genres that we've been talking about today, because um, it is in many ways uh, treated as a shoujo manga, um, where Jay is the female protagonist, but it is also a boy's love because... Uh, the the romance he has with uh, his his interest Paul, who is also kind of his brother, but that's a whole other story. Um, this manga is really fucked up. I cannot recommend it without giving a huge asterisk of it's really heavy. Jay goes through some really dark shit, um, and like trigger warnings for everything conceivable. Um, but uh, his relationship with Paul is, like, not exactly gay, but it's also definitely not straight. Mm -hmm. It's somewhere kind of in between because Jay's gender identity and presentation varies so much over the course of the manga. Um, and I don't know. I, I think that, like, we see this more in manga than in like western media depictions these days because um something that a lot of um trans women will talk about is the japanese word otakonuko 
Um, I don't know if you're familiar with this term. I am not familiar with this term. Okay, cool. Lesson time. So, okay, I just want to be clear. I do not speak Japanese. I am not an expert on the usage of this term. But from my knowledge and understanding, um, otakonoko is a word that is broadly used uh, in Japanese that applies to both effeminate gay men, uh, trans women, and kind of, uh, you know, gender-variant-presenting men. Um, so rather than clearly delineating between all of these identities, um, you know, queerness and especially gender variance from men and people who are perceived as men, um, all get wrapped up into one. And, like, as a transsexual woman, I don't necessarily want to be viewed that way, but I think that terms like that do still serve a purpose in that it it, it touches on uh, a lot of shared experiences between, uh, you know, like, effeminate queers and uh, people who have, like, lived through a lot of the same, you know, childhood and young adulthood as, like, an effeminate boy. There's a lot of really kind of tough, unique experiences to that, that, you know, whether you are a trans woman, a gay man, you know, genderqueer, that a lot of us have gone through. And I don't know, I've been really leaning into the idea of, like, community based around experience rather than identity lately. Maybe maybe being in the um, the DSA will do that to you. Um, yeah. So, like, I don't know. I'm not advocating for, like, let's bring back the word transvestite to apply to everybody, because I do still think that, like, distinctions between, like, you know being a transsexual woman and being a man are very important. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And we deserve to be recognized as women. And we can also recognize that as women, we do have sh these shared experiences, or in many cases have these shared experiences with men. Um, and I think, like, acknowledging that, and I don't, I don't want to say celebrating, because a lot of it is really tough shit, but, like, I don't know. I think it's really worth acknowledging. And I think not only acknowledging, but like what we're in kind of now is a kind of very ahistoric period because, I mean, the term homosexual wasn't even coined until 1868. But so you have, you have homosexual coined super recently, you know, it's not even like, it's like a 150 year old word. Mm -hmm. Right. So you have that as one side, you know, transsexual and transvestite come from these things. And we're really transsexual like, and tran uh, comes very very recently. Transsexual comes super recently. Transvestite was before, and transgender is super recent. You know, it's probably only about 30, 40 years old. Yeah, no, like there are many trans people who are older than the word transgender. Exactly, and so I think that's kind of the point. Is where it's like, you know, for me, something that's very important for my understanding my womanhood right being a trans woman is that i was first and foremost like a twink i don't want to say man because that's 
very generous. <laughs> and we are acknowledging a, a societal third gendering of effeminate men. Yes. And so I just think that's real. Is I really think it is, is that we're, we're trying so hard. And again, this is all about DSA membership, where it's like, it's more about behavior, right? We should be describing our behavior. It's more about that behavioral performance as observed through society than any inherent change. Like, I'm not a woman deep down in my core or anything like that. Right? That's not how that works for me. Bring out the contrapoints quote. Oh, God. It's a good quote. It's a good quote. I've seen people repost that quote, like, on their Instagram stories or whatever, who don't even know that that's contrapoints. Like, that quote, the... Dear listener, the the very ever applicable quote from ContraPoints. I forget which uh, episode it was. Super early in her stuff. Yeah, yeah. I I love that early Contra stuff. Anyway, um, ContraPoints apologist right here. Um, the quote is: um, I look inside myself and ask, do I feel like a man or a woman? And the answer is, I feel like shit. Yeah. ContraPoints, Natalie. I hope you, come I, on the podcast. Come on the podcast. Um, I hope you're okay. Yeah, no, I I think she was honestly vindicated for a lot of some takes that she makes. Um, meeting with Hillary Clinton is, of course, inexcusable. Wah-wah. Um, I can't believe Contra Points was interviewed by Hillary Clinton about cancel culture. <laughs> yeah, the cancel culture stuff we didn't need, but... Um, you, know, you know, honestly, like... She she just she just got fucking Joker pilled, and I, mean, I and I really I like, I can blame her, but I can understand where she's coming from. I mean, I understand the impulse too to be like, your experience. Like, I mean, there's so much of her experience. Like, like you, you she had to come out in front of hundreds of thousands of people, mm-hmm. and coming out in front of that that kind of there's so many people who you know witness your coming out and witness all these things, and being a target of so much vitriol from like fascists online. It really is, like, for me, when I think about ContraPoints, I'm just like, I'm, there's some people I know who are trans women who, I talk about this kind of a lot, and I think it's so important. It's super important for us to talk about these these women who are out of the game, basically. Mm. And I bring this up so often. What do, you, what do you mean by out of the game? The Fully stealth, fully integrated into cis society does not engage. Mm-hmm. with other trans people unless incidentally they don't seek out trans community they seek out cis community mm-hmm. and to live a life free from the hegemonic kind of like trans description to themselves mm-hmm. and I think that's something that's important to think about is like there's this overemphasis on like trans community but it's like how Right? Like, for myself, I have a very weird gender. Your gender is so deep and esoteric. My gender is so unique. But it's like, I am very often in, like, in a lot of ways, entranced by the idea of going stealth. Mm -hmm. I don't think I would ever do it. I don't think I ever could do it, just based on my actions. But, like, you can, I can see why a lot of people want that. Yeah, I don't want to, like, moralize it. I I honestly, I don't think it's a healthy impulse. 
Um, and I don't think that going stealth will ever make anybody happy. Like, I, you know, I, I just complained about, like, universalisms, but, like, I will just speak from my own experience, which was, um, uh, early in transition, I had just moved to New York City, I had never met another trans woman, I had basically no trans community in the circles that I was operating in, and, um, passing and trying to go stealth was very much at the forefront of my mind, and I greatly pursued that. I, like, tried to, like, stifle any knowledge or, you know, like, old pictures on my Instagram or anything like that that could, you know, give me away or whatever. Um, and after a while, it worked. And I was deeply unhappy. I, I don't talk about this much because it's something that I'm actually pretty deeply ashamed of, but I, uh, became, like, a pretty deeply self-hating trans woman for a while. And not just in the sense of, like, I'm trans and my life sucks, but I am trans and I hate that about myself. I genuinely wanted to be cis so bad, and it was fucking killing me. I, I started to, like, get really mad at other trans women, like, speaking out about themselves. Not in, like, a, you know, like, sit down and know your place kind of way. Um, but I didn't want to associate with other trans women at all. Um, because I was afraid of like, you know, being found guilty by association. Mm -hmm. And it made me miserable. I did not resolve that until I, like, had some people give me some stern talking tos, which I absolutely deserved, and then started to actually pursue finding trans community. That was, like, the only thing that led me to the kind of self-acceptance I have now. Um, and I don't, you know, that's obviously not going to be everybody's experience, but it definitely was mine. And, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm not proud of it. Um, I, I'm not going to, like, retroactively beat myself up about it, because I think that my actions were pretty understandable, given, given the circumstances. Um, but... Given the choice, I will always choose to live a life surrounded by other trans people. Yeah, and, and so I think, <laughs> to bring it back to ContraPoints, which also thank you for, like, bearing your heart out on this podcast. Um, but, like, to, to, like, for, like, myself and, like, kind of that relationship to, like, thinking about this, like, for me and, like, why I'm, like, I don't think I, I, I don't, like, I run a very large event for trans women. I, like... I'm very open about my transness, um, whenever I can be, because I don't really care if I pass or not, or, like, people read, I don't, I don't give a shit, really, except for as it extends to a small degree safety, but, you know, it's, like, for me, it's, like, I really have this experience of, like, it's, like, a lot of it is fear, and, like, I don't want to, like, get too, for me, it's, like, thinking about stealth and thinking about these things and thinking about, like, even counterpoints, it's, like, 
being just a faggot, you know, like, a faggot experience. And, and that was something that was, like, real and kind of, like, important for me. And so it's, like, moving away and, like, not being presented with the options of gender variance. Mm. And it's, like, what, what my faggot experience was, was the ceiling. It's, like, this is, this is the room you have to play in. Um, a lot of that comes from, like, growing up in the South. And, like, in terms of, like, you may be this gender variant to be accepted? Yes. It's, like, these are the possibilities of gender variance. Oh, so more like archetypes. Yeah, not even just archetypes, just like, here's how much space you have to play around gender-wise. I see, I see. And, like, that sucked. And it took a long time, and it took me really figuring shit out in a very real way to, like, change that about myself. I took, you know, I was working on a campaign, and we traveled across the whole fucking state. Because we were camping out a lot, we didn't have access to sinks, so I, like, grew facial hair out and stuff, and it was, like, the worst thing ever. Um, yeah, I cannot imagine that. It was awful. It was awful. And it's just, like, you know, tying that with, like, knowing. It's, and I think, I think kind of talking about, like, how homosexual comes after. Like, people are doing gay stuff, and then that is described as homosexual. Mm-hmm. For myself, I'm doing, you know femboy, faggot, whatever, sissy, whatever, like, gender-variant femme stuff for myself. But I had to dis... I didn't decide to become trans woman. I found an identity that, like, described me okay-ish. Okay, once again, us having the exact same young adulthoods. Jesus Christ. <laughs> um, that was such a big part of my high school experience that I also don't talk that very much. Uh, being, like... I don't know, I was thinking about what you said about, like, like the third gendering and stuff. It was like, yeah, that's so applied to me. Because, and also, like, having the label come retroactively. Because, for me, the gender variance came first. Like, I filled a very kind of, like, third gender role in my high school social setting. Because none of the guys would touch me with a 10-foot pole. I was way too obviously, like, queer to be safely interacted with, so they just left me alone, thank God, because it could have been so much worse. Um, And the girls largely treated me as one of their own to an extent. Um, And when that extent was reached, uh, I was tossed to the wayside. um, Because... When you're a faggot, you're easily expendable. Watch any horror movie to, <laughs> to confirm this. We should read the that Politics of Disposability article. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it was definitely definitely disposable. Um, but yeah, so that like for me, being an effeminate boy came before being a faggot, uh, and it I was like retroactively described as like. Like, I so vividly remember the first time I ever heard the word twink. And it's so goofy, but it actually ended up impacting me very deeply. Like, my best friend at the time um, was like, yeah, you're a twink. And I was like, like, just, you know, 16-year-old me or whatever. It's like, what's that? And she was like, like... You know, you're like a, a skinny little hairless guy that wants to get fucked in the ass. That was more or less word for word what she said. Damn. 
Um, and I was like, oh, guess that's me then. Because I couldn't think that critically about my own identity or else I would start to realize things that I'd been very intentionally suppressing for a while. Um, shout out to that one anime, Your Name, for fucking cracking my egg. Uh, anyway. Um, but I was just like, okay, guess I'm a, I'm, I'm a faggot now. Guess I'm, guess I'm fag. Um, and I just accepted that and I wasn't super comfortable with it because, spoiler alert, I don't really like men very much. I was not good at being a faggot. Like, I say that I I am a woman of faggot experience, but the faggot experience was more being treated as a faggot than actually doing faggot shit. Mm -hmm. Um... And yeah, it just got, like, like this label just got placed on me, and I was just like, okay, I guess this is, you know, like, my role now. Um, and I, like, I thought about it as, like, like, this is, a, like, I, 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 at least, I don't think this is how I thought about it at the time. I think most of this was subconscious. But looking back, being, uh, you know, tr- or trying to be a gay man was the only available space for me to express gender variance because anything else would mean I was just a pervert. And I think I'm like just putting some of this together now for the first time. And I think because I was also not very good at being a faggot, um, I often was like percept, like I was like the, my perception in other people's eyes often drifted into pervert land um because i was you know so obviously gender variant without like actually doing that much gay sex yeah um and now uh i actively identify with and reclaim the term pervert because i was treated badly in high school there we go and because like i didn't go to high school famous 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 middle school dropout at middle school dropout Follow me for mediocre memes. Um, and way too horny reposts. Hey, they're great. They're great. We love them both. They're great, folks. But no, thinking about that in terms of, like, why I think things about gender are... I think so much about gender. Thinking about, like, that study, everything we've been talking about, boys love representation, and just, like, I knew there was a life out there. Like, you're not presented with good trans... Like, Especially when I was, like, first discovering I was trans, it was, like, 2012? So there was... That's about the age. Yeah. <laughs> so it's like, you had, you know, this was, like, right before the Laverne Cox and, like, so Caitlyn Jenner. This is, but this was before that. Wait, wait, wait. Are you mixing up Caitlyn Jenner and Laverne Cox right now? No, no, no. I'm just saying that they, like, Laverne Cox's, like, appearance on the front cover of magazines and, like, presence interviews was right before Caitlyn Jenner came out. Yes, that's right. And so they, that but that hadn't happened yet when I was like realizing, like, if I have to turn to 30 as a man, I'm going to kill myself. Oh, same, same. Like, that happened later. But you're not presented with trans life. Yeah. Right? Like, and so when you see, like, what's trans life, like, you're given... It's like, oh, I don't want to say, like, representation was so hard because I'm, like, fucking 20, um, 
The morning doves back. Yeah, they live. That's where they live. Oh, and what morning doves? Will you please be a staple of our podcast? Hell oh, yeah. There they go. They, but I mean, their their nest is out there. That's where Adorable. they live. That's where they live. But what was I talking about? I knew I, I didn't want to be a man. Like that, w- I would literally like. I'm not like, like it was bad. You know. It, yeah. 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 yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't want. I don't want to get it too much into content flag. Twas bad. Twas really bad. But I don't. You know, and it's like, but you think of things, and th- this is the kind of representation you have, right? Where it's like, you know, but it's like that's what things like. You're going to suffer. Yes. You yes. Know? I'm like that's the thing, and even to this day, still like my mom is like. No, known mommy issues have her, um, me, but, like, she's still, like, I'm worried it's gonna be so hard for you when I'm, like, doing pretty good. And you also face massive employment discrimination. God, yeah, that's true. Um, Which is not to discourage people from transitioning, because the alternative is worse. The, the objectively correct course of action is to fight tooth and nail for your place in society, or to, better yet, create a new society in which trans acceptance is a given. There was this fucking tweet I saw. I know they're not called tweets anymore, but there's this tweet which is like, so many people like tell me that they want to like be non-binary, but they're worried about getting lumped together with the Bushwick, AFAB, VAFAB scene. And I'm like, Cool. I'm worried about employment discrimination. <sighs> like we are not the same. Like I like and like this is something that was like I really do strongly encourage trans people to use they them pronouns for me. Like I am more comfortable with that generally. Or she if it's funny. But like or if you're cis. <laughs> but like cis people have to they them. They cannot they them me. Trans people are encouraged too. Um, and it's like really like I really do do feel more connected to non-binaryness than I do like a lot of like certain things, but I'm a woman at the end of the day. Federally, I'm a woman. I am not federally a woman. Really? Just just, uh, just on a state-by-state state basis? Just on a state-by-state state basis, yeah. Uh, PSA, if you live in New York, it is actually really easy to change your gender marker on your passport. Yes, it is. It requires, like, no paperwork. Super easy to change your gender marker on your passport, super easy to change your gender marker on your driver's license. DIY resources are super easy to access for name change. Thanks for doing something right in New York State. You will never hear that out of my mouth ever again. I will say that more frequently because I work in politics. Or, well, used to. Anyways, employment discrimination is fucking sucks. <laughs> I actually do have a, did get a something back, but I have to, like, they're making me do homework for the job. Oh, they love making you do homework for the job. I applied for a retail position at, you know what, I'll come right out and say it. I applied for a retail position at fucking Bloomingdale's the other week. They wanted me to do a fucking, like, video recording of myself doing the interview. Fuck that. Absolutely not. I was like, nope, this is just not worth it. There's no way this is worth it. No, this is... This is really riveting stuff here at the end of the podcast. If you're still listening, um, DM, and I might, like, send you a picture of my tits or something. Or mine. You can you can see my tits too. I have to like write a report. Jesus Christ, for a fucking job application? Employers be like, we have a labor shortage. 
my brother in Christ, you created the conditions that make it impossible to find a job. But yeah, and I think, you know, like, that's, like, to tie it back to what we were just talking about, like, the stealth, for employment discrimination purposes, is I think one of the reasons that it appeals to me so much. It's like, even though I know it would would make me miserable, and it's impossible for me, like, I would love to not be discriminated against in employment. You know, like, I didn't get a job that I was, like, fucking guaranteed. People were like, you know, like, we guarantee it. Mm-hmm. Um, like, I had people telling me, like, oh, yeah, you're perfect. You worked here for years. Now that you're coming back, like, there's no question. And I didn't get a job. And I don't think that was just just because I'm trans. But I think people don't give you the benefit of the doubt for being trans if you're trans. Oh, never. Oh, fuck no. Absolutely never. And... I am going to come out and say it. I think that this is a greater problem for trans women specifically. Uh, because... Uh, there isn't so much a societally recognized um, straw man of, like, the trans-masculine predator. It's more like, what happened to our daughters? Uh, but when you're trans-feminine, uh, your presence is an active threat to the people around you. Uh, despite the fact that uh, estrogen has made us so weak. We, we, we can't do shit. I guess to conclude... Turn trans, tr- be trans. Be trans, read Yaoi. Be trans, read Yaoi. What did we learn here today? Uh, we learned that the people who did the Fujoshi study are uh, fear-mongering idiots. Um, uh, that Yaoi is good representation, actually. Even if you're, even if you're not a boy. Even if you're not a boy. Um... And that um, gender is more complicated than uh, even we as trans people are sometimes willing to admit. Um. Alright, we're done here. And that's our episode! <laughs> that's our episode! Um, catch us next time where there will be more animal noises. See, not meowing this time because you're saving it. I'm saving it. If you want to hear me meow, do, Venmo me a hundred dollars, and I will do anything. I will. <laughs> She'll do literally anything. Not literally. She has no boundaries, guys. I, don't, I have boundaries. <laughs> I am trying to make you an easy hundred bucks right here. But yeah, Venmo me a hundred bucks, and I'll meow. I'll meow for you wearing any outfit. That's what I'll do. Mm-hmm. I have a lot of mesh clothes. I was like, you have so much cute lingerie. I'm like Loki jealous. Always are fucking like looking so styled at the plate parties and shit. <laughs> and I'm over here in my like crotchless panties and cage, which is also a look. It is a look. But um, one of us clearly has a little bit more class than the other. It's. I think it, it comes to it, it gender essentialism. I I feel like I'm as a straight woman. I'm dressing for the male gaze. Ah, so true, Dustin.